0: You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. If your litter box could talk, what would it say to you? Good morning. Lovely day, isn't it? Or perhaps... What's up with all the clay dust and chemicals you're laying on me and the cat? If that's the case, consider World's Best Cat Litter. It's virtually dust-free, quick clumping, and lasts twice as long as clay litter. And because it's made from corn, it's chemical-free and a naturally safe choice. World's Best Cat Litter, the number one selling natural litter brand for a reason. Good morning, listeners. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. Let me take this thing out of my mouth. How are you today? We had a stormy day yesterday in the Keys. We had a cold front move through and uh, high high winds had a tornado up in, Christ, where was that? Uh, Well, Sarasota area, something like that. Uh, Naples, Naples, Sarasota area. So yeah, we're experiencing some, not as much as you guys, not as much as you guys up in the Northeast and uh, the Mid-Atlantic, you know, not not familiar with that. That would be, that would d- definitely be arduous. You got to be on your toes with uh, snow and ice and all that stuff. Well, we are not dealing with that in the Keys right now. We're dealing with uh, temperate weather, beautiful and sunny. That's all I have to say today. Listen, we had a very busy weekend. Whenever the temperature drops in the Keys, there is a commensurate rise in people coming in. You know, if it was rainy and and uh, windy. People don't go to the outside dining menus, a dining venues, and they come to our place, which is mainly indoors, uh, or not on the water because on the water it's breezy and cold and. People just don't enjoy it as much. It's It would appear. And we'll talk a little about the side effects to for servers when it's busier than normal, especially at a place that doesn't do any metering. When I say metering, that's what the host stand is for. Just so you know, when there's a hostess and you see you walk into a restaurant, I'm going to clue you in. You walk into a restaurant... And you see only half the table sat. And the hostess says to you, or who says to you, can you hold on? It'll be about 10 minutes. The reason is, is they have a limited amount of staff either on the floor or in the kitchen. And they know if they seat you, you have an expectation of being served. But if they don't seat you, you don't have an expectation of being served yet. Right? You get to... You, know, I mean, you can go up to the bar, you can order your drinks, do whatever you want. But nowadays, I guess in, these, in this climate of uh, employment or whatever stage that is, people, they just have a limited amount of staffing to be able to ha- handle that. And if they, it's better to have them waiting to be seated than it would be to seat them and have them not being served. It's just that way. So today I was—I uh, did my regular routine on Monday. I am not normally I'm, I'm working my regular job on Monday, but I do go in to do my spin class, and I did all that stuff. And sometimes I have breakfast, sometimes I don't. I just kind of uh, play it by ear when it comes to eating. But i come home, and I'm hungry. And I'm, I'm making myself a meal. My daughter's off because it's Martin Luther King Day. And she's off from school. She's heading... it. She's getting ready to go to the... Um, she's getting ready to go to a mall with her friends. And she asked me about the meal I was eating. Which was an open-faced hot roast beef sandwich at 10.30 in the morning. Yes. My preferred breakfast is a lunch. Most of the time. I'm not a cereal guy or anything like that. I'm more of a lunch dinner guy. And... You know, that's fine. And she asked me, she asked me pointedly, she goes, Is it busting? And I looked at her and I kind of knew that was new terminology. And I think it's, I think they try to say, when you have an older person trying to use new lingo, it looks kind of ridiculous. So what you try to do is play along with it and say, Busting, you know. When I said to her, uh, no, I, I am not busting. It's not busting. And she goes, no, that means it's good. And I said, well, it means something different to me. And I said, maybe in an hour or two, I'll be busting in your in, busting in your bedroom. And she goes, what? I said, busting ass. And that's what we used to say about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when someone was fluctuating or farting, to be exact. To so who busted ass? Who's busting busting ass? And prior to busting ass, busting my ass means you're working hard. And prior to that, busted meant you're broke. You're broke. You're busted. There was a song by uh, Ray Charles, and I'm Busted? It's a great R&B song. So it was, Urban Dictionary Strikes Again. To have so many meanings. You know, you have someone in their 70s, 80s, 70s years old right now. They go through all the terminology, but they know it as busted, meaning that they're broke. Right? And prior to being broke, I think busted meant I'm all busted up, meaning that you're damaged, injured, sick, ailing, all those things. And it's interesting when you're thinking that one word you're you're all speaking english you all understand the word busting but you have a disagreement on what the meaning is and literally bust i'm about ready to bust and there was used to be bursting bursting busting and bust and bust also if you just put bust and busting i think it could be Uh, bust is the breast area it's all these things the Urban Dictionary this is amazing and it just goes and by the wayside it'll probably go because it won't last that long it's just a colloquialism that people use somebody who's popular and then eventually it'll just drop by the wayside I don't see it as something... It doesn't. It's not a pleasing sound. Oh, that was delicious. That was awesome. That was great. That was busting. I, I don't know. It does that. Well, you know, I was thinking about recently when I was filling out my daughter's passport uh, application, her renewal, how many things they ask. And I'm not going to give you any information off that, but if you fill those in, we take for granted our identification until we lose it. I mean, when we were 15 or when we're younger, we might have, we get our birth certificate and then you might get a social security card. Your parents could get you one when you're young, apply for social security. And then you have a non-driver's license, then a driver's permit. And then a driver's license. And there's all sorts of identification and for international travel, a passport. And I understand completely that people would like to have it streamlined and just have one. You know, if you get a driver's license, have one identification that shows that you're 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 legal to drive, you're a citizen of this country, you're registered to vote. I mean, think of all those things. Just prove who you are. That's identification. It says, "I am uh, Janice Compton." I just picked that name, Janice Compton. I don't know Janice Compton, so I just, I figure that's a good one to do. And that, uh, if you are Janice Compton, I apologize for that. But you say, "I'm Janice Compton," and here is my identification to prove that. That's the people that you know, and I'm 21 or I'm able to vote. Or I have this, I am um, I have a driver's license and there's no outstanding warrants and things like that. And some people, when it first started coming out, this is called the real ID. And it was a standard ID that everyone could use. To uh, Most states were supposed to adhere to it so people could fly. As security gets tighter because of more and more possibility of uh, let's say extra national behavior, I guess terrorists. I don't want to say terrorists, but terrorist actions. People want to know who's getting on the flight and to see where they're from. If you recall, if you ever seen the movie, The Born, was it Born Identity or Born, or the first one? Uh, Matt Damon, The Born Supremacy. Or the born ultimatum, or the oh, what, what a stupid movie. I mean, it was a good movie, good fighting. But at one point, he goes to a safety deposit box, and he opens it up after he starts finding clues where he can get stuff that's supposed to prove who he is. And he opens it up, and there's I'm going to say six passports, all are pictures of Matt Damon, Russian, French, English. American, German, just a ton Spanish, and it's so difficult. We don't find out. We don't really think about how hard it is, or how important identification is until we lose it. And over the weekend, I got a call for someone that needed something signed, and they. This woman called for a husband, says, Listen, we have to send something to the state of Michigan and unfortunately my husband does not have he lost his wallet or left his wallet or what one of those things. And and he started me thinking, I saying, well Secondary identification, well, it's probably all in his wallet and stuff like that. And obviously, you don't have your passport because if you had a passport, that would be the same thing. He doesn't have his driver's license, but he has a passport. That's what people would say. Obviously, a passport works on all those things. The passport works. If I give you a hierarchy of identification, passport's on the top. On the top of it. And that's what countries allow as identifications. Whether they let you in or not, that's a visa. So that's a different issue, but uh, being able to identify yourself, passports accepted internationally. Passports, originally they were just handwritten documents with a picture on it where the country says, well, we agree that this is the person that is in this picture. Would you let this person in? And they didn't be before computers and all that before they were commonly used. people would just take a passport and stuff like that and they wouldn't know. unless you had uh, to have a handwritten list of people that aren't allowed in country, they probably gave them a book, they probably like the size of a telephone, some of the books and just looked through it and it goes, "This person, let's see their name. Well getting back to his identification for this person from Michigan, they couldn't they didn't have it. and I said to him, I said, well, uh, do we have two credible witnesses and that's people who aren't uh, closely related or financial would financially gain through you know whatever. Is occurring If there's a business transaction or something, if it's a spouse, that's not normally a good one because you, you, you need to have two people that are willing to identify themselves, give me their ID and say, this is the person that they say they are. And you're pretty much making these two people liable for saying that is the person and now they're the responsible party. They weren't able to do any of this stuff, and they were angry at. And they said, "Listen, we have a photograph of identification." And there's the tricky part, because in Pennsylvania, and not in Pennsylvania, in Florida, you're not allowed to uh, use a photograph of an ID unless it's that's the one they have. If they have a legitimate, I mean, I don't know if a state issues. I mean, a state can a state can accept a photo ID that's digitally presented. But if it's not accepted in the state, you're getting it notarized, which is Florida. It's all for naught. And they said, well, what would you have done if we had a license? I said I'd take a picture of it. But that would be proof I physically held the card. And then I took a picture of it for the information, for my documentation. And she says, "Well, couldn't you just accept the, the the photo?" And I said, "Nope, can't do it in Florida." And then she she goes, "Who else can I say? I said, "Well, what you're what you'll be doing is you'll be attempting to circumvent the Florida rules by doing that. I cannot stop you from doing that, but you can. I mean, I understand what you're doing." And she goes, "Oh, you're gonna?" I said, "No, I'm not gonna." I mean, I don't know who you are. There's no one to report. You're getting it done in Michigan. I did, that's the part, if someone found out they didn't have an identification, it's not the person you, you you know, you just accepted a, a photo of a driver's license and they could take away your whole commission. But it's interesting, and with passports, when you're applying for a passport, they ask for, ask for things like, yes, you're going to have to have, present a birth certificate a driver's license initially when you have your pass, when you get your first passport you got to present these items and you have to have your social security number and the state you were born in and then they'll ask you the name of your birth parents and what their their uh, uh, the maiden name of your mother was and their birthdays and there are guessing for, especially renewal, they're guessing for that people won't have all these items handy, but you can have them handy. How hard would it be to get a passport in someone else's name if you're caught? That would be, you know, you might have a real problem there and stuff like that, but it's, it's really, if you think about it, there's people sitting around that have, in the United States, that have no identification. Let me repeat that. There's people that are in the United States that have no identification. Now, they may have had it at one time, but they never performed, they may have had it taken away, like a driver's license. They might have, um, and you got to be careful about if you're going to assume someone else's identity because you're also assuming all the ramifications of what, if they had a criminal background, If you claim to be Janice Compton and Janice Compton was convicted of mail fraud and she was never brought to trial or, you know, brought in, then you, you being Janice Compton, they say, oh, well, we have you here for mail fraud. You know, then it would be you trying to say, well, I'm just impersonating that person then you get in a whole new slew of things. So you may, who knows what, what's better and what's worse. But being able to prove who you are nowadays is very interesting. And people talk about it for voting and things like that. Like right in the beginning, people don't want their DNA on record and things like that by the state. For some reason, they don't like the state. But in order to travel, you have to have your identity on record by the state. Yeah, it'd be nice to say, listen, I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want to do anything. I don't want them to know who I am. I don't know where. Want to know where? Where I go? Well, other countries want to know who you are, and you better you better get ready. And it's a long process for it. If you never apply for a passport, or you've never try to take a trip. Uh, it was about eight years ago when we were ready to go on a trip, and my wife's passport was expiring in five months from the date we were leaving, and she was going to be back in a month from the uh, less than a month, uh, about a month, no, about a month from the time we were leaving. They were, she was going to stay over. But at the time, Europe or the European Union required that anybody coming in should have six months left of eligibility on their passport. So on the day we were about to leave, the ticketing agent said to us, hey, you don't have enough time on your passport. We can't allow you to board. So we had to go and scramble. We ended up going to the central location, Miami. Miami being a big enough city, they had a, a State Department area where you can go and apply with an emergency. If we had like two more hours, we might have been able to get it renewed because it was just a renewal. And it was still a good passport. It wasn't an expired passport. You do it. We just go and say, this is the person. This is your passport. Please just, you know, we're leaving right now. And they would have been able to do it. They almost would have, But we just, it was just a little tight. So we had to, what we ended up doing was staying overnight. We rescheduled a flight and left that day. So it is very important to keep that identification handy. I just was watching the news yesterday or this morning in Miami. They showed someone breaking into a car, stealing a wallet, an unlocked car, a wallet, and a woman's passport. And I go, wow, just randomly taking someone's passport. I mean, I guess it would be good if you had someone, a passport that was still, still had. Um, time on it, that they'd be able to use it very short in the short term. But imagine a passport in a week or two, they could just call up and say, I had my passport stolen. They said, listen, you're going to have to renew it. and They'll just change the number. Now, if anybody tries to use their passport, they'd be assuming someone else's identity and they could get picked up right at the airport. So that'd be interesting. Why would someone steal someone else's passport? And um, you could... Use someone's passport and probably get away with it. But if it's stolen and it's known to person, then you have the, the ability to notify the th- authorities and you're, you're fucked. You're fucked. So IDs are very important uh, when, especially let's say, if you're trying to drink at a bar and you're 20 years old, 21, 22. If you're young, having your identification handy is the smart thing to do. If you're one to be offended or hurt or bothered that someone won't serve you, you better have it with you. You should have it on a necklace around your neck if you don't like carrying your wallet. You know, just do it. Okay, we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about tipping. I generally, I have a view of tipping uh, and the way people tip good or bad and it's this if you work enough and you're not in a restaurant or bar where there's relatively few people some high end places high end places if you only have like 5 6 tables a night and they're big ticket tables you might do very well but if you had like one or two people not tip well that could change that could change your whole night you know two out of five that's 40% you can lose 40% of your your income because people decided not to tip and people say well why do we have to tip well you heard the history before history I mean two. some people say that it's an, an acronym uh, or for to ensure prompt service and uh, one of these comedians said, like, it was kind of a medieval concept where a guy would just grab a, a bag of coins and say, you there peasant, take care of the horses and put them up. And he tosses a little bag with him and the thing and the person doesn't even look in it he just grabs it and goes, thank you, my lord, and takes it, runs off, scampers off like a peasant will. And people still have that view. That, well, it's... When it comes to service industry, the tipping is part of the payment and the income of the people that are working there. It's just the way it is. You can go through that, uh, what's that, Reservoir Dog, Steve Buscemi dialogue where the reason I don't like tipping. I want people, you know, it's not my fault they chose to do this job or the person that the employer should be paying the person and things like that heard all the arguments, but I'm going to go over them step by step. And the main thing is, we don't, you don't, uh, people that tip well don't need to be instructed on when to tip and how to tip. And the people that don't tip well, well, for those, those of them may be kind of the naive or the people that have a lack of knowledge of the American service industry—that's a minority. Of people like tourists that come into that, you know, from Europe, and they say they're used to the the tip being included, and the people being paid well, and things like that. And with that thing, you tell them right away. Sometimes they'll address it and they'll say, oh, I didn't realize that. You're you're not being charged for the tip. You have to provide it. And it's a concept they have to, some of them say, what do you mean I'm paying part of the salary? Yeah, but you can say, listen, your bill is less because of that. There's 15 to 20% less on your bill because of that. And then they may gladly say, oh, well, that's great. And that means you can... Oh, so if the service is really good, I can, you know, maybe I can leave a little more because this is what I'm paying. So, you know, if you educate people like that, there's no problem. But then there's these other ones. And it comes down to they're just cheap and they don't pay any more than they have to. Okay, that's it. And they think the employer should pay. Their employees a living wage, but I don't want to be paying more for my food. Oh, really? Well, where is that money supposed to come from? Yeah, it's not my problem. Well, yes, it is because there won't be any service. it wouldn't be a restaurant. There wouldn't be. You wouldn't be ordering food right now if it was. If if we didn't sort this out, and won't, let's say let's say. Everyone gets paid, and people say, "Well, that that would be the easiest way. Just say everyone gets paid fifteen bucks, sixteen bucks, eighteen bucks an hour." Think of any job that has no incentives, no chance for advancement, no chance to increase, and you're just going to get fifteen to sixteen dollars an hour, and you may get a raise and things like that. You may get a raise, but there's always going to be the top. The top will be like 16 bucks an hour, 17 bucks an hour. That's it. You're, n- no tips on top of that. We we urge people not to tip. That'll be what the employer say. Well, because we pay you. We, we tell people they don't have to tip because we pay your living wage. Well, then what is the incentive? If you're going to get paid, if you get three tables an hour, and you just do it. You take care of the three tables. Well, if it gets really busy, and you got to pick up six tables. And you say, well, service slowed down a lot. And the person seems to be doing the same amount of work that they do for three tables. that They're doing six tables. And they go, well, there's no reason for me to work any harder. I get paid 15 to $16 an hour. Why should I bust my ass? It's not going to change the bottom line. Well, what about your pride in your work? My pride didn't work. I understand that, but I mean, if I work real hard, stuff like that, I'll be tired at the end of the day. And I got to save a little energy because I have plans. You know, think of that DMV. How long the lines get there. People don't speed up at the DMV because there's a lot of people in line. They just go at their own pace. And then when it's closed, it's closed. Come back. Come back again. Come back and get, get any another day. Still working. Ha- you, you rush no more. You don't get any extra dollars. Okay, well, how about the people say, I tip, but I, I want to really get return for my tip. I tip. What I do is I put out. Now, this, this one t- practice, I haven't. I, I haven't realized that I've seen it. I've seen money on tables before, but I've never known that it was exactly done for this reason. But I heard it several times. And you'll take a certain amount of money. Let's say it's $5 bills, five $1 bills and put them on the edge of the table. And the idea is, depending on the quality of service, they can either leave the $5 there or they start taking a dollar away if they don't get their you know they they don't get their order right, or they don't get their drinks refilled, or they don't feel the person's being polite again, and they start pulling it back, like it was a bet, like it was a bet. You say, "Well, listen, I don't, I'm not willing to bet on this person anymore." Well, that that I can tell you right now, it's just a dickhead move. You know, but a good move, it, it's a good. Move. I like that. I like the dollar, dollars being on the table. And if they, you let the server know this, and you're pointing it out to the server that lets an experienced server know that they are serving a dickhead. And you say. You may say, "Well, I'm not a dickhead. I'm just doing it." Well, yes, you are. You're unequivocally a dickhead for doing something like that. Or the president says, 15 percent." For service is it goes down. Oh, I never leave more than five dollars. That's it. I don't care if it's a fifty-dollar bill or a hundred-dollar bill. I leave five bucks. That's someone that's either too stupid to know about percentage. What fifteen percent of a hundred dollars, which is the easiest one? 15% of five, $100, fifteen percent of a hundred dollars, fifteen dollars. A fifty dollars at that is seven fifty. And if fifteen percent is for an exceptional service, and you work your way down from that you're back to the dickhead category. But the happy news, the good news is bad tippers are a minority. And even smaller are the thieves. The people that try to run out on your checks. I start lumping them in because you start losing money when you're dealing with both of them. When someone, you know, fortunately if someone runs out on your check, if you're you're working at a place and you're supposed to keep an eye on your table... I would just say, nope. If the table gets up and leaves and I'm in the back doing something like that, I won't be responsible for it. And if they try to do that, I would just go and say, nope. It's not, you know, you know it's the, one of those things. It's, as a business owner, you should have, you know, you should have things in place. Yeah. If you're there and the person walks out with playing the bill when well, you're there, Maybe you're somewhat responsible. Somewhat, I have a. I don't think your job is to collect money from people. It's to drop checks, take payment, but not forcibly take money from a inferior your server. I do it, but that's out of joy. If someone tries to leave, I will. I love trying to catch up. I only had, in the last 14 years, I only had one person do that. And uh, tip stealers, there's tip stealers, people that take tips off tables and take them off bar and take, you know, they're they're the smallest amount. But usually that's a minority. But they have the biggest impact. People think about it. They think bad tippers. Bad tippers are generally the exception to the rule. But it's, you got to work with them. And it sucks. Now, if you're any of these, most likely you know but some bad tippers don't know. Some bad tippers is possible not to know. And I thought maybe if you're listening to this, you might be. You know, if you're, if if you're one of the few that don't know you're a bad tipper and you've just never been blessed with any skills with math, and you need to have some evidence. Finding, you say, well, how do I know if I'm a bad tipper? I ask people, and they say. Well, sometimes they go, oh, well, you're not a big tipper. They may say that. You just say they don't answer a question. If they come back and say, no, you're a great tipper, then you're a great tipper. If they come back, several people say it. And not if you're scary and you're threatening someone. I'm talking about you got to be forthcoming. You got to allow them to be forthcoming. Um, But if you really don't know... There's a thing. Go, is there a local place you go to on a regular basis? If there's a local restaurant or bar that you go to, and you're not related to the people there, and you're not close friends, but you frequent there. If you come in and people greet you with a smile, and they seat you and do this and do that, and they, you know, none of the, uh, it looks like the servers, are quick to come and say hello to you and things like that. Chances are you're a good tipper. But if it takes a while and people, you don't always get the same person, even though the same person is always there, but they're saying, it's not my turn, you can have them this time. You know, chances aren't to say, oh, they're so good tippers, I'm going to share them with you. No, they're avoiding you. They're avoiding you. If there's always a different server and there's not a big smile and stuff like the answer is you are not a good tipper. And you're most likely better suited for places like the Golden Corral, which is a buffet. And buffets of all sorts you should go to. That's perfect for you. I mean, you should be tipping them on your drinks. But then again, you already know that you're a bad tipper. so. And you should move around frequently. You're a big tipper. You should never go to the same place. You got to go like every other year. But if you're such a bad tipper and you get a big bill and you do it, they may remember you for years. They may have a picture of you and say, Listen, this person's horrible. They don't forget. They don't forget. It's just one of those things. If you're if you're a bad tipper, people remember it and are more likely to not seat you as quickly, not run to your table and things like that. And you say to me, Jim, if you're very professional, you treat everyone the same way. He says, Listen, you don't encourage someone that hurts your bottom line to keep on coming back. You really don't. Sometimes the owners of restaurants say, you got to treat everyone the same. You got to treat everyone the same. Someone said it to me. I treat everyone the same whether they treat me poorly or not. I said, "Mm, no, no, I I disagree. It's just the way of the world. It's until things change, until there's incentive, until people say, well, listen, this is what we're going to do in a hybrid system. Every check we pay you now. We fold in your your hourly wage. Let's say it's a good one. Let's say it's 25 bucks an hour. Good one. But you also get three to five percent of the check. Commission on the check. And then you start saying there's the average check of the day and there's your check, and you end up getting higher checks and things like that. There's all sorts of ways to incentivize it without having people have to shell out the money. And all they have to do is be a little creative because incentivizing treatment is the best because there's some tables that are just horrid because generally someone who's very disrespectful to you will not be a good tipper anyway. It's just not the way every so often they might be. They could just be horrible people with lots of money. Even then, who wants to serve those people? I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. Um, oh, it is Martin Luther King Day. And it is, I think, an important holiday in the United States. Especially when you think how important Martin Luther King was to or Martin Luther King Jr. was to our civil rights movement and stuff like that if you disagree that's fine though that's he is a great american and he's worthy of a holiday i don't believe that i think we should be doing more of remembering him and doing less of this uh ATV dirt bike thing that they do on Martin Luther King Day down here and I'm sure they do it in LA and New York and Philadelphia and stuff like that. I don't get that. But it could be a way of calling attention to them but it generally doesn't seem to be the kind of people that do anything to bring attention in a positive way. And uh, you just got to be mindful And I can't teach people how to be mindful of it, but you are doing a disservice to the memory of Martin Luther King when you're out there doing that stuff. There are real social injustices out there, and bringing that attention to people just because you want to ride your ATV on the turnpike and block traffic is not bringing any enlightening to people or kind memory. And if I don't think to this day that, and people might say, Jim, you don't have no right to comment on what you think Martin Luther King would think about. I'm pretty sure he would think that that is a silly thing to be doing. You know, you people have blocked traffic for civil rights and things like blocked bridges and and not. But they did it for a reason, a pointed reason. They had uh, an agenda. That agenda just seems to be... Um, just to go and ride out with your friends and stuff like that. So if if I am wrong, I apologize. And uh, I know it's a, it's a strong opinion I might not be allowed to have, but I, it is my opinion, it's my podcast. But I'm wishing all of you Martin Luther King Day, hoping the dream still uh, has a chance of coming alive or can becoming real. Thank you very much. This is Jim the Keys bartender signing off. Goodbye. This man has just entered the Gas Price Madness Zone, pushed over the edge by skyrocketing gas prices. The remedy? Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Hey, wait a minute. Did you just say there's a free app I can get that'll actually pay me cash back on every gallon of gas I buy? Yes. Escape the Gas Price Madness Zone with the Upside app and earn real cash back on every gallon of gas you buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough of the theatrics. Just tell me more about this Upside app. Okay, it's super easy. Just download the free app and use it whenever you buy gas. Upside users can earn hundreds of dollars in cash back wow thanks announcer guy i'm downloading the upside app now download the free upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas use promo code minute for an extra 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill up you can cash out anytime just download the free upside app and use promo code minute for a 25 cents per gallon or more bonus on your first tank